genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring, one uh, frantic chase-filled minute at a time. <laughs> I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And joining us again, uh, not, not again, joining us <laughs> this week. For the first time. For the first time this week uh, is Sean German from Spinal Tap Minute. Yeah. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank, Thank you, you for, for coming on. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking about Minute 143 which starts with Gandalf fil uh, finishing his line from yesterday uh, of the ancient world and ends with the fellowship starting to head down some stairs. Many stairs. Many, many stairs towards the bridge of Khazad-dûm, yeah. which is pointed out by Gandalf. In Tomorrow a is all stairs. <laughs> Tomorrow is all stairs. It's an all stair week. Ha. Ha. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we get a we get a great moment between uh, Gandalf and Aragorn, right at about the midpoint of this minute. Yeah, mm -hmm. where Gandalf is like, "Swords are no more use here. Do as I say." And he just th throws Aragorn away mm -hmm. from him. I love Aragorn's like, "Bitch, what did you just do to me?" Face, you know, because <laughs> he he hears the Balrog roar and then he kind of uh, brandishes his sword a little bit and starts to go in that direction. And Gandalf's like, didn't you just hear what I said? Like, just go. Run. Yeah. And that little moment is uh, just about right out of the books. It's just in a different place. Mm. That moment kind of happens uh, in the chamber with Balin's tomb right before the orcs bust through the doors. Because oh, okay. in the books, Gandalf is like casting a spell to keep the door sealed. Mm -hmm. And he tells everyone to go. He'll take care of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he says basically that same line to Aragorn in the book there. And then they all go off without Gandalf, and then Gandalf catches Gandalf up with them later. Yeah. And he describes uh, the feeling of interacting with the Balrog to them. Mm. He he uh, he says that he was casting a spell, and he never felt anything counterspell him so violently before. To kind of establish the Balrog's magical power. Right. Which you don't really get in the movie. It's all like physical might right. for the Balrog. Mm -hmm. But that, that's interesting, and then I don't know if it rises to the level of foreshadowing, but at that moment where where um, Gandalf sort of passes the metaphorical staff to Aragorn to, to tell him to lead them on, um, Aragorn seems a little bit surprised um, and not entirely accepting of, of leadership at that point. Yeah. yeah. And we've talked a lot about Aragorn's kind of reluctant leadership mm -hmm. of this whole situation. Yeah. Because Gandalf is clearly the leader at this point. Like, Frodo is symbolically the leader of the Fellowship. But Gandalf is the guy who's, like, in charge. Right. Right. Yeah. He knows all the stuff. And before um, Gandalf says, you know, swords are no use against this, uh, Aragorn is kind of asking for guidance. Like, he says Gandalf, and then Gandalf's like, hey, listen, you guys need to leave. <laughs> yeah, let, let me tell you a thing. <laughs> Which is funny to me that he says swords are no more use here, because in the book he totally uses his sword against the Balrog. Right. But <laughs> and in the the movie too, he has his the sword and the staff. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's that's next week. Yeah. I just think it's funny. He tells Aragorn that swords are no use here. And then in the book, he straight up uses it. Like Balrog already. Yeah, man. We're already at the Although he does, he does specify, um, I mean, when he says swords, he just says all swords or swords are no more use here. But before that, he does say this foe is beyond any of you. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's purposely excluding himself to think that he could take on the, the Balrog. I think it's important to to kind of frame this as Gandalf does not think he can kill this thing. Mm-hmm. He thinks that the best he can do is kind of hold, hold it back. Yeah. Yeah, slow it down. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, this is the whole reason why he didn't want to go into Moria. Yeah. Because he kind of knew this thing was here. Yeah. But he didn't want it confirmed, and now it's confirmed, and he's just like, oh, God. God damn it. <laughs> In the... So that, like, thousand-yard stare from Legolas at the beginning of this minute (laughs) is also pretty much straight out of the book. Like, there's a a brief snippet about Legolas kind of uh, staring off into the distance, terrified, as soon as Gandalf says the word Balrog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because elves are, you know, completely terrified of Balrogs because they're a spirit of the ancient world, more ancient than elves are. Right. And Legolas is still, like, a baby elf. Pretty much compared to like all the the other. Yeah, I don't remember how old uh, Legolas is, but like Galadriel is like seven and a half thousand years old. Right. Elrond's like six thousand years old. So, they would have would they have encountered a Balrog then? I think no? so. Uh, Galadriel almost certainly had because she did see a little bit of battle in like the first age. That's so crazy. And Elrond did as yeah. well. So they would have seen Balrogs in full battle probably. Okay. At least a couple. Interesting. Yeah. I never think of... I know that Elrond is old, but I never think of Elrond being 6,000 years old. Yeah, because Elrond and Galadriel are both um, like old world elves, kind of. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if Elrond was born in Valinor or if he was born in Middle-earth, but he definitely like knew lots of elves that were. Well, isn't... Because he's half elven, so he must have been born well, in middle. Half right? elven, he's. You know, uh, I mean that's his title. So an eighth elven or quarter elven. <laughs> yeah. He's a, yeah. They, his whole like family line is referred to as half Hell, elven, yeah. because he's he not only is he descended from Baron and Luthien, but his father was a half elf. Hmm. Poor Elrond. So there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of blood of man in Elrond's line. Yeah. And yet they, but uh, half elves kind of get to choose whether or not they want the immortality of elves or if they want the mortality of man. It's like this little snippet when I was reading some of Arendelle's tale in the Silmarillion. So is that why Arwen has the choice? It might be. Interesting. So if Aragorn had fallen in love with just like. But in theory, Luthien had that choice too when she fell in love with a man. Oh, true. So. Weird. I don't know. We'll find out more when the Baron Luthien <laughs> book comes out. We're like way off track, but we're talking about ancient stuff, so like yeah, elves kind of come it's up. It's all connected. It's all it's um, all good stuff. All good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I find Elrond's past to be kind of interesting, and it's really interesting thinking about Galadriel in the context of like having fought in some of the battles of the first age, because mm-hmm. she's like considered one of the most powerful beings still walking around Middle Earth. Right. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. Um, Going back to speaking of, of battles from the first age, um, you'd previously talked about uh, Glorfindel, who uh, 
who in the books is is the elf that escorts the hobbits and, and Aragorn into Rivendell, right. um, gets replaced in, in the movie. But um, I mention him because he's one of the few elves that we know of that has killed or, or beaten a Balrog. And I mean, it ties into this minute. Um, I, something that I don't know if I knew or maybe I knew and I'd forgotten, but during doing a little bit of research, um, I found in the first uh, version or the first draft of Fellowship of the Ring, uh, Glorfindel was the elf in the Fellowship. Yeah, not was, Legolas. Yeah, and he was later replaced by Legolas. But so I wonder if um, if Glorfindel was with Gandalf in Moria, would they have been as quick to run? If he knew he had, uh, you know, a, a, an elf and a more experienced warrior, and also someone who had vanquished a, a Balrog previously, um, and that just made me think that there's a lot of happy accidents. One for the fellowship in in this world of of things that just have to go right for their their quest to be successful. Right. But in the quest of an artist to produce a work, kind of things have to go right. Um, that I think it's it's the right move here for them to run, even if they can beat the the Balrog. It's not you know that's not important. That's not their quest. The important yeah. thing is is getting through and, and out of Moria. And if the Balrog is scared away all the orcs, um, let them take that opportunity to uh, to head towards the bridge. Right. Yeah. So I think that's kind of that was a nice. I think it worked out for for the best probably to not have. Glorfindel there and not have the temptation to try to face the Balrog rather than, yeah. than running. Well, even in that scenario, it, it may have been Gandalf and Glorfindel both being vanquished by this thing. Mm -hmm. Should have been like a, like a double tragedy. Yeah. But uh, I imagine that Glorfindel probably didn't kill a Balrog by himself, did he? I don't know a whole lot about Glorfindel. Um, I imagine he was just the one who struck the final blow. Yeah, I, I don't have... Uh, too much detail they were um this is after um after the fall of uh gondolin uh gondolin yes sorry blanked out for a moment yeah after the fall of, of gondolin um he's escaping with a party and um they're they're caught by um by a balrog um but i, I don't know if the the details of that battle he may have just he may have just been the one to to strike the the fatal blow. Yeah, I imagine that's that's likely the case. His elves are on a while ancient elves are very powerful, they're on a kind of different scale than a Balrog is. Yeah. But it's very interesting to think about, yeah, that Glorfindel had fought a Balrog before and not only survived, but had somehow vanquished one. So According to this um this wiki that I'm looking at, he took it on one-on-one -on -one. wow okay that's impressive because he's um he's escorting some refugees out of uh gondolin wow. and a balrog shows up and he's like okay i got this and he he kind of sidesteps and you know he avoids the the whip and everything and he he um, also gets dragged down into a chasm by the yeah. Balrog's last yeah, act. They, they also fall. That's a common, seems to be a, a common mode of death for Balrogs. If they fall off things. And then this says that he dies, but he is like resurrected by the Valar. Mm -hmm. 
uh, probably for great age. heroism. Yeah. Yeah, I think I and I read that as as similar to the return of of Gandalf. Right. Um the yeah, in the in the battle itself it says he he perished but then he's he's back later. Mm-hmm. That almost says to me maybe that Glorfindel was supposed to was kind of the model for some of Gandalf's story and the reason he winds up in the Silmarillion in these tales is when uh, Christopher was editing it, he just kept the Glorfindel stuff in, mm. even though it may have been kind of early drafts of what he later gave to Gandalf as a story arc. Right. That Yeah, that's possible. Uh, Tolkien changed names a lot. In addition to almost all the characters having multiple names, he'll, he'll change names within a story or change characters. Yeah. That's very interesting. I didn't know much about Glorfindel. That's pretty cool. A lot of the Fall of Gondolin stuff is the uh, some of the denser stuff in the Silmarillion. So oh, that's really cool. I'm now I'm excited to get to that eventually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good stuff. And in the theme, um, one of the recurring themes from those earlier tales that we see repeated again and again in uh, in, in the Fellowship is that um, that that necessary sacrifice that right. you know that in in, in you know, after the fall of Gondolin, Glorfindel perishes with the Balrog. Here we see, um, well, something might happen with Gandalf in coming minutes. We haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet, but uh, um, I'll just I'll just say that's something to keep an eye on in future minutes of that um, that self sacrifice in yeah. in battle. Yeah, it, yeah. it also uh, it also mentions that. Uh, Glorfindel was sent back to Middle Earth with powers to rival that of a Maiars by Manwe himself. Or so Mama why Mama. is he just hanging out with um, with Elrond? I don't know. <laughs> That's a real good question. <laughs> why aren't you doing yeah. more, Glorfindel? Yeah, he's old. He's old. He's a very old elf. <laughs> he's an old elf. Not if that any that of matters. you died, I did. <laughs> well, if if I can jump in on that point. um. I wasn't going to mention this, but I think this is a, a good segue um, that the elves, the the older ones, they're not that interested because they're not really invested in in the battle for Middle Earth. They can just sail off to the West. They've right. got the undying lands. They can move on, mm-hmm. um, which kind of, in, in my eyes, makes Gimli... Um, really a, a tragic figure that he's really invested in a way that the other, the other members of the fellowship aren't, um, you know, the, I look at the elves and I think, yeah, they can just, they care, but you know, they can, they can just sail away, right. um, win, lose or draw. Um, you look at, at the men at, at Aragorn and, and Barmir and the, the age of men is, is coming, you know, certainly they want, they want their quest to be successful and they want to vanquish Sharon. Um, but it's not, they, they, you know, they can win if they win this battle, they kind of win. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, the elves know that kind of their age is over. The age of magic is coming to an end. Either right. it, either it ends in evil or if they vanquish the evil, the magic goes with it. Um, and that, that's going to affect the hobbits. But at this point, they don't know that. I mean, they're they're coming to appreciate the the size of of the stage that they're performing on and the importance of what they're doing. But yeah, 
they haven't been out in the world the way some of these other characters have been. I don't know if they really appreciate what they're fighting for just yet. Where where Gimli, um, I think, knows, you know, has has some of that awareness of the importance of this quest, and that even if even if they win, even if they're successful, the the his people, the dwarves, are going to lose something, and they don't have. You know, they don't have the Undying Lands. They don't have anywhere to sell off to. Right. So one way or the other, this is kind of the end for his people. Um, and it's, he he's, I guess, going back to that theme of, of sacrifice that he's still going to do it. He's still in on this quest. He's going to do what he can to help win the war and destroy the ring, mm-hmm. even though it means... Um, Kind of the, the the best days of of the dwarves are behind them, and they're never coming back. Yeah. Well, I think Gimli's struggle is also echoed by the elves too, because even though the elves are like the time of the elves is over, it's not quite over. But once the ring is destroyed, all of that is going away, and they either mm-hmm. have to die or sail off to heaven, basically. So I think even though Gimli very much dislikes the elves there is that kinship still because the dwarves are also magical in their own way like not overtly like the elves are mm-hmm. yeah but, yes. yeah it's a different kind of magic yeah, yeah. i like it's, that yeah. it's a different different branch right of magic i mean they are uh they are creations of a creation mm-hmm. they're not they're not first gen Creations of not first gen Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, one thing I thought that was really funny in this minute was after Legolas rescues Boromir from falling. (laughs) Um, there's that moment where all the hobbits run up one by one, and Sam is the last one. And I'm wondering if it's calling back to that moment when they're in the Shire. And they fall off the cliff of yeah, Farmer Maggots. Yeah, they fall Maggots. off the cliff because Sam runs into them. So, like, he kind of nudges um, Pippin. But, or I think it's But Frodo. they don't all topple over. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know. I've never really thought about it as a callback. But do you think it is supposed to be? Maybe. I mean, that's a very Peter Jackson thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it before. But if if it's not intentional, it... Then it's unintentional, but it really is, yeah, a, a callback. Uh, I also like the way that Sean Bean just kind of falls backwards onto Orlando Bloom, <laughs> yeah. uh, which Orlando Bloom complains about on the cast commentary <laughs> about them doing like forty takes of this scene right. and just like Sean not like sitting down, but just like putting all of his weight back on Orlando Bloom when mm-hmm. he falls over. That's really funny. And you know he's like twice Orlando's size. <laughs> I love the way that Sean Bean just kind of like flails Flails, his arms around and almost accidentally throws his shield into the chasm too. I think it's fairly convincing. Yeah. Because, you know, they're just like on a stage and there's like a mock-up of a step and then like stop at the edges of the stage and act like you're going to fall off a cliff, guys. Yeah. Acting. This is just flailing about. You know what I think would have been really funny is if they had put like a like a small pool of water on the edge instead it's like okay don't fall into the water right because then you're interacting with something physical on the set and it's not just like green screen right mm-hmm. like oh pretend you're gonna fall into a hole right that's different than like oh make sure you don't fall into this water 
Because then we have to do that. We have to wait uh, like a while and then right. get the whole thing over. <laughs> Don't mess this up for everyone else, Sean. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the mean director way to do it. <laughs> right, that's the Stanley Kubrick school of oh, directing. No. <laughs> he just digs like a six foot like pit it's like okay don't fall into the grave <laughs> put some stakes down there oh my god well then i wondered so so there's yeah there's this part where uh where sean beam almost goes goes over an edge mm-hmm. and then they they start running downstairs and there's there's no railing there's yeah. no curb there's there's nothing but this this perilous drop and i want and i thought you know did the dwarves that design Moria are these the same guys that that designed the Death Star? That there's <laughs> there's all these like fatal falls and there's no railings. There's no thought of safety. Mm-hmm. It, it right. Where was OSHA? Right, I know. <laughs> Where's dwarf OSHA? Right. Yeah. Dosha? Dwarf OSHA. <laughs> Dosha. <laughs> that Dosha also works for the Death Star as well. <laughs> yeah, these man. guys need a union. They gotta right. get organized. You know, if anyone's gonna have a union, I would think it would be dwarfs. Because <laughs> they're very organized people. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. dwarves are sure footed enough, I think is the intention yeah. that they can do. Yeah. I think it's also. They also may always walk around in this place in like mining rigging. Mm. So if they start to fall, they just like throw a pickaxe in the wall and hang on. Right. Right. It might also be to show off, too, because yeah. when they were digging they were working with the elves and, and the elves aren't going to fall right the elves aren't going to fall but then you can be like oh mm. marvel at our masterwork or masonry yeah. and also this this little moment this particular area is the doors being like look how awesome this chasm with lava at the yeah. bottom of it is check it out dude <laughs> <laughs> look what we did <laughs> i really question that this is here and also so close to the exit you can have surface lava. Yeah. If Minecraft has taught me anything, it's that there's <laughs> lava everywhere. Lava everywhere. <laughs> if you think you're safe, lava. lava. <laughs> well, when we don't know, we don't know just how deep those chasms go, but we mm-hmm. do know that the dwarves um, mined deep enough to awaken the Balrog. Right. So they, they do go deep. We also, um, we don't know for sure exactly how this Balrog got to, got to Moria. There's a lot of kind of supposition based on some stuff in the, the Silmarillion and some other, uh, extra works, but we don't really know for sure where this Balrog came from, just that it's, it's here. Yeah. So it, it, um, it's thought to have survived, uh, the defeat of Morgoth at the end of the mm-hmm. first age. And then, um. But I, I found kind of different sources said he was either hiding or imprisoned beneath the uh, the mountains there. And then the, the miners either disturbed it or, or released it. But yeah, don't know too many specifics. And, and um, there's some there's some ambiguity around just how many Balrog there are. Mm-hmm. And I think there's only one that actually had a name. And the rest are yeah. just generic Balrog. Well, I mean, this vampire one has and werewolves are like the same way. Yeah, I mean, this There's one like they, one named one. Yeah, they they name it. I mean, this one they call Durin's Bane, but uh, 
that's that's after um after the dwarves uh, awaken it that's not like his uh right its original name yeah we have no idea what what this balrog's name is yeah. Yeah. i'm sure it's something suitably evil yeah i'm sure it is his name is ted <laughs> ted the balrog yes <laughs> <laughs> Short for something in Elvish. Some the, long, complicated name. The evil devilry. <laughs> the evil demon, Ted. Yeah. Ted. E-D. <laughs> yeah. I think that about wraps us up for uh, for this minute. Yeah. Uh, if you could come back for any other scene somewhere in the trilogy, uh, what do you think you would pick? Oh, Wow. No, it's a big question. (laughs) Big question. Um, I think, I I think I would say when the when the ants get riled up, Mm -hmm. when the ants get ready to throw down, um, that's that's some good stuff. Yeah, I think that that's among my favorite scenes in the in the trilogy. Nice, lots of ant love. There's so much ant love. <laughs> Everybody loves the ants. They're cool. They are. Yeah. It's a good time to be a tree. <laughs> what's what's not to love? Not really, because all their ladies just wandered off. I mean, that happened like in the second age at oh, some point. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Having a well, long so time just, before this. The, the forest is just a big bachelor pad. They're running around like they're not wearing clothes. It's just, you know. It's no Lord of the Flies. They're just all on their own. So, um, I mean, yeah, it, get, it gets lonely sometimes, but it's it can't be all bad. Oh, that's funny. Right? There you go. I'm looking on the bright side. <laughs> so if you are, uh, if you're into minute podcasts, as hopefully you are since you're listening to us, also on DuelingGenre.com, you can find Back to the Future Minute and Harry Potter Minute. Mm-hmm. And where can we find Spinal Tap Minute? Uh, You can find Spinal Tap Minute at SpinalTapMinute.com. Nice. Nice and easy to remember. (laughs) I like it. We keep things simple. And uh, and let me just say, Heidi and I, um, over at Spinal Tap Minute, we're big fans of of what you folks are are doing here, of of all the stuff at at, um, Dueling Genre. But specifically, I'm I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. Oh, Um, And especially, I just want to toss in... Um, good decision going with the extended versions. I know some other podcasts have stuck with the theatrical release of of their movie where there's like director cuts and so on. But, uh, I think you guys made the right choice there. Thank you. Thank you. I honestly, there's no other way to do Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I feel like if we had done the theatricals, so many people would have expected us to do the extended. It's like, well, what about the extendeds? And it's like, well, we might as well just... Because one way or the other, we're going to kind of talk about both regardless. Right. <laughs> so we might as well watch the extended ones and have more content. There you so. go. Plus, it's the ones I happen to own. So. Right. <laughs> uh, as always, a special thanks to our Patreon associate producers, Leaper182 and Ed Foster. Hope everyone has a great Wednesday. And thanks again for joining us, Sean. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Cassandra Norman. Thank you for having me. Bye.
genre.